Welcome to Stories for Wonderful Children. I'm Dan Wendelin, your host and storyteller. This podcast is usually a recording of a story I've told my children in the past, but this week the saga of Tammy's trip in the hot air balloon comes to a close, and I don't have a recording of how I ended it. And so I'll have to tell a new ending, just for you, wonderful children. I hope you enjoy it. After Tammy had recovered the sandbag, she assumed it would be simple to get them back into the air. And indeed, her parents worked all that day with extra silk and a needle and thread in order to patch the hot air balloon. Just as the sun was starting to sink towards the horizon, they finally declared their efforts complete. They spread out the balloon and got out the burner in order to inflate it. Tammy stood back with Lorenzo and the tin can roadrunner and watched as her parents ignited the burner with a <laughs> The balloon began to fill with hot air, slowly rising and then more quickly, the edges bellowing out and the balloon rising way above her and the clearing, the basket beginning to rise against the ropes they had used to secure it to the ground, even weighted with the sandbags that she had recovered. She could tell that the hot air balloon was ready to fly. But then there was a horrible ripping noise. She looked up and saw that a portion of the patch that her parents had applied to the hot air balloon had ripped free, and now there was an even bigger hole in the side of the balloon. Shut it off, her father yelled, shut it off. Her mother quickly shut the burner off, and the balloon began to collapse back down to the ground, losing all its hot air through the now gaping hole where the patch had been. Oh no, Tammy said. How are we going to get home now? Her mother and father looked at each other. Her father shrugged. Well, he said, it's starting to get dark. We might as well have dinner and we'll figure it out tomorrow. Over a dinner warmed over the campfire, they formulated a plan. Look, said her father, we're just going to have to walk and see if we can find a town where we can buy a new hot air balloon or buy train tickets home or something. Buy them, said Tammy, but buy them with what? Well, said her father with a slight smile. He pulled out the other suitcase, the one that he had used for rock collecting, and opened it. Her father popped open the small suitcase, and Tammy again saw all the pretty rocks that he had collected during his time in Guatemala. That's very nice, dear, said her mother. I mean, they're lovely, but I don't think they're going to buy us a hot air balloon. No, said her father, look at this. And he sort of pushed aside the first layer, and underneath those rocks was a smaller box. He pulled it out and slowly opened it. Tammy and her mother's breath caught. Inside that small box lay six beautiful gems, two rubies, two emeralds, two diamonds, each of them as big as a robin's egg. Wow, Tammy breathed. Where did you find these? asked her mother. Her father smiled. These are the gems I found the day I ran afoul of the jackal pirates. They know you have these? said Tammy's mother. No wonder they keep chasing us. Just then, Lorenzo began to let out a loud They looked over at him. He was staring at the gems in the little box. And then, quick as a wink, he dashed over and with his beak pecked out the two rubies. Hey, said Tammy's father. Wait, said Tammy. 
Let's see what he's doing. Lorenzo dashed over to the tin can roadrunner. He carefully set one ruby in each of the tin can roadrunner's eyes and then stepped back and eeped contentedly to himself. What is he doing with my rubies, said Tammy's father. Tammy shrugged. He's not hurting anything, and we know where it is. I don't like this. Listen, said Tammy's mother, just leave it for tonight. We can get them back from him another time. He's a strangely persistent roadrunner. Okay, said her father. He closed back up the gem case and reburied it in the suitcase. But I'm putting these away before he decides to swipe any more of them. Anyway, he said, it's starting to get dark. We should get a good night's sleep. Tomorrow morning, we'll pick a direction and start walking for a town. I think if we can find one, we should be able to trade a gem for a trip home. As Tammy curled up in her sleeping bag that night, as the sky grew dark, she glanced over at Lorenzo, curled up next to the tin can roadrunner. She thought the rubies that formed its eyes almost appeared to glow, catching the last bits of light from the dying campfire. That's odd, she thought, as she drifted off to sleep. When Tammy woke suddenly, it was still completely dark. The campfire no longer shed even the slightest glow, and Tammy lay there for a moment, wondering what was that sound that had woken her. Whatever it was, the sound was continuing, a strange honking kind of noise. And then, as she woke fully, she realized it sounded like geese, and the sound was coming from directly above her. She sat up and stared up. That was strange. She couldn't see any stars, just black above her, like something was between her and the stars. Mom, Dad, she said, wake up. I think, I think there's a blimp. I think maybe the jackal pirates found us. Her parents sat up quickly in their own sleeping bags. Her father grabbed a flashlight and shone it above them, revealing the strangest sight Tammy had seen yet on this strangest of trips. The shape above them was indeed a blimp, but it was not the jackal pirates. This blimp was shorter and fatter, and all along the front of it were little ledges, and on each ledge roosted a goose some of them were busy honking to one another, the sound that had awakened Tammy. What in the world, said her father? Underneath the blimp was suspended a huge basket, but this basket looked more like a sailing ship than it did like the basket on Tammy's hot air balloon. As the light from the flashlight moved along the ship to the front, Tammy suddenly let out a yelp of surprise. There, on the front of the ship, where the masthead would be on a sailing ship, was mounted the tin can roadrunner, and Tammy was quite sure that the red glow of its eyes was not reflected light from the flashlight. What in the world? said her father. Where's Lorenzo? asked Tammy, looking around. At that moment, as if in answer to her question, ropes uncoiled from the sides of the ship down to the ground, and down those ropes slid, one after another, roadrunners. The last to slide down was a roadrunner she thought she recognized. It was Lorenzo, but Lorenzo nodded she had seen them before. Now he was wearing a hat that looked strangely like a pirate hat. 
but it lacked the skull and crossbones. Instead, it had the silhouette of two little roadrunners running right behind each other. Lorenzo? asked Timmy. The roadrunner in the hat dashed up to her, looked up, and said, Eep? Tammy squatted down. Is this your ship? she asked. Lorenzo eeped again. Wait, said Timmy, can you give us a ride home? Lorenzo eeped and began to run back toward the rope, stopped and looked back at them. I think he's going to give us a ride home, said Tammy. Her parents looked at each other. What about the rubies, said her father. Well, said her mother, you were going to trade them for a ride home. Yeah, said her father, but I never imagined. None of us ever imagined, said Tammy. Come on. They quickly packed their things up, and with the help of the roadrunner crew, were soon on board the ship. Lorenzo led them to a cabin below decks that, surprisingly enough, was the right size for three humans. They settled back into their sleeping bags, although it took Tammy quite some time to drift off again after all of the midnight excitement. She was awakened again in the morning by the prodigious sound of so much honking. What in the world, said her father? Let's go see, said Tammy, as they felt the ship begin to move beneath them. When they emerged onto the deck, the mystery of the geese was solved. Every goose that had been roosting on those shelves on the front of the ship was now yoked to the ship, and they were pulling in unison with beats of their great wings as the balloon began to drift forward, slowly at first, and then faster and faster as the flock pulled them along. After they tired of watching the geese, they had breakfast, and Tammy was very glad that they had brought their own supplies, because breakfast on Lorenzo's ship appeared to consist of various nuts and seeds, which were fine if you were a roadrunner, but weren't really what Tammy had been hoping for for breakfast. Around noon, the ship slowed again as the geese flew back to their roosts and took a rest for a while. Tammy's parents took the opportunity to compare the surrounding landmarks to their map, and Tammy was very excited when they announced that they were getting close to home and would probably be there before sunset. But as all the crew sat down to their bird seed and nut lunch while the geese rested, they were suddenly interrupted by the sound of a loud eeping from up on the very top of the blimp. One lookout roadrunner up on the very top had clearly spotted something. Lorenzo cocked his head and listened and then ran to the back of the ship. Tammy followed him. Lorenzo stared behind them. Tammy got out her spyglass and looked. Her heart sank. There in the distance, she could see the shape of another blimp, and it was one that she recognized all too well. How did they find us again? It was the jackal pirates, and they were gaining fast. Lorenzo spun and began eeping. All of the crew leapt into motion, several of them going to rouse the geese, but as the geese returned to their work, and Lorenzo's ship slowly began to move, Tammy knew that they were not going to be fast enough. She watched through her spyglass as the other ship, driven by great propellers, grew closer and closer. Soon she could make out the shapes of jackals walking back and forth on the deck and rabbits up in the rigging and running on the wheels that powered the great propellers. 
Soon, even without her spyglass, she could make out the clear shape of the skull and crossbones on their pirate flag. She glanced behind her at Lorenzo, who was eeping encouragement to the geese at the prow of the ship. She raised her spyglass and looked back again at the jackal pirate ship. As she did, something she hadn't noticed in their previous encounters caught her eye. At the front of the jackal ship was a masthead, the great face of a jackal, all in metal, and then her breath caught. The spots where the jackal's eyes should be were blank, as if something were missing. Oh, she said, we have them. She turned and dashed to find her father. He was not anywhere above deck, and she ran below to the cabin that they shared. When she burst in, he was sitting there on the bed, holding the little box with the emeralds and the diamonds. Dad, she said. Yes, dear, he said. You said you found those, right? And then the jackal pirates said that they wanted them? Yes, her father said. Did you get them from the jackal pirates? Her father just shrugged. Dad, Tammy said, they've been chasing us because we have their gems. I didn't know, her father said. At least not at first, and... And then I was running, and... I don't know. We have to give them back, said Tammy. Yeah, said her father. You're right. We do. Tammy walked over, put one hand on her father's shoulder, gently reached down, and picked out the two big emeralds. Look, she said, we're going home. We're all together. That's what matters. Her father smiled at her. You're right, he said. It is. Tammy dashed back up the steps to the back of the ship. The jackal pirate ship was close to pulling alongside, and she could see the jackals readying ropes and grappling hooks to pull them close to the roadrunner ship. Tammy ran to the side closest to them and held up the two emeralds, one in each hand. For a moment there was silence. She clearly had the attention of the jackals and their rabbit crew. Tammy carefully wound up and tossed the first emerald over to the jackal ship. Several of the jackals wearing the fanciest pirate hats quickly gathered and began to howl with glee. Then Tammy picked up the other emerald, held it up for them to see, and tossed it overboard. If the jackal's previous howl was of glee, this was a howl of anguish. The jackal pirate ship immediately began to turn and make great loops down towards the ground where the emerald had fell. The geese continued their steady flight onward, and the jackal pirate ship grew steadily smaller behind them as it made its slow looping descent toward the ground in the search of the emerald eyes of their masthead. Just as her parents had promised, by the time the sun was beginning to approach the horizon, Tammy was beginning to recognize landmarks below. And just as the sky began to turn the magnificent yellows and reds and oranges of sunset, she spotted, through her spyglass, her very own house. By the time twilight had come, they were hovering over their front yard, sliding down ropes and waving goodbye to the Roadrunner crew and their brave flock 
of extremely hard-working geese. As the roadrunner blimp disappeared into the evening sky, Tammy and her parents looked at each other. Well, said her mother, welcome home. And they walked inside. And that is the end. Thanks for listening to Stories for Wonderful Children. I created today's story, but heckling and clever commentary were supplied by my children. The theme music was created by Brandon Thompson, and the logo was designed by Silas Wendelin. If you know someone who might enjoy the stories, please tell them about the show. Our website is storiesforwonderfulchildren.com, and preview snippets are posted to most social media. I'm Dan Wendelin, reminding you to tell someone you love a story.